You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, Carlisle. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. Well, good morning, Sojourn Church, Carlisle. Um, It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm sorry that we have to uh, be apart, um, but I'm thankful that we have the opportunity uh, to still preach and to hear from God's Word uh, this morning. Um, Today, we're going to be switching from a new series uh, into a new series from our old series of Matthew, and we'll be going into a new series entitled This Incredible Journey, Um, Opportunity, actually. Um, God has placed before us an an incredible opportunity um, as a church, and today we will discuss um, what it means to have the opportunity to lament. Read with me uh, from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 18 through 27. It reads as follows. It says, Then I thought my future is lost, as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. In these verses, we see four opportune times to talk about hope. The first thing we see is hope renounced in verses 18 through 20. The second thing is hope revived in verse 21. We see hope remembered in verses 23 and 24. And then finally, we see hope redefined in verses 25 through 27. Church, I want to ask you a question, and it's okay if you push pause even on this video, to maybe talk to one another, your family or whoever's sitting with you, um, to think about and to answer this question. But um, when was the last time you cried? What causes your tears is the second question. And then lastly, what do you think caused Jeremiah tears um, in this book of Lamentations? Now, I'm not going to be one to ask you a question and not answer it myself. So let me try my best to answer those questions for you from my perspective. When was the last time I cried? Actually, it was just yesterday. Uh, I was praying with Pastor Nick in our weekly staff meeting over the many needs within our church and also this congregation and the community, and I actually began to weep. I began to weep over the reality that lays before us as a church. The reality of the lack of connectivity, the the reality of social um, isolation that we're all in right now, and then also I was weeping because of our lack of our inability to gather as a church even this morning. We truly live in an unprecedented time in American history. What causes your tears? Well, I think this is an important question to ask because what makes a person cries says a lot about that person. It says a lot about their priorities as well as their prerogative, whether they're self-centered or God-centered. And throughout history, Jeremiah was always known as being 
the weeping prophet. And the book of Lamentations is a gift. It's a gift to us to allow us to see what made Jeremiah, Jeremiah so sorrowful. So we'll look at the last question together. What caused Jeremiah's tears? I believe that Jeremiah's tears flowed from a broken heart. His heart was broken by the same thing that also breaks God's heart. The destruction of Jerusalem and also the destruction of the nation of Israel. You see, the book of Jeremiah was a book that was written um, by him that predicted it, the destruction of Jerusalem. But the book of Lamentations, the book that we're looking at today, actually looks back on that destruction. And the only thing that he can do is weep. Not only was it the destruction of Jerusalem, but he was also the destruction of Israel. You see, Jeremiah was broken by his love for the nation. Jeremiah was broken by the, his care for the people. And lastly, Jeremiah was broken by his devotion to God. You see, the book of Lamentations is a gift to us because the book of Lamentations is known as being a book of tears. And Lamentations is like a song sung at a funeral, but it was written not for a death of someone whom we may love or know. It was actually written because of the destruction and the fallenness that had happened to the city of Jerusalem. I love what Pete Casero says about this in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says this, he says, grieving is not just for death. Think about that for a moment. Grieving is not just for death. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you that we have this opportunity to study your word even though we're apart. I thank you that you are with us, and I pray that you would use your word in great measure. Take my little as you always do and make much, make, make much of it, Lord, and glorify yourself as only you can. We do thank you and love you for your good God and good King. I pray, Lord, that you would help to have some mind be transformed, let some soul be saved for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace Gazero also says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spiritualities, these words. He says, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where God wants to meet us. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. And as your pastor, I want to invite you. I want to invite you today into this first great opportunity, an opportunity to lament. You see, in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah teaches us how to lament by constantly pointing his heart towards what he knows to be true about God, despite the opposition and the destruction he sees and experiences in everyday life. You might be asking me, what is a lament? Well, a lament is a bridge. It's a bridge between God's sovereignty and your suffering. Lament is the adhesive between your personal pain and God's eternal promises. Lamenting narrows the void between your hope in God and your reality of God. Lament fills the chasm between hoping in God and not experiencing him in your reality. Here's my own personal definition of what lament is. Lament is simply this. 
It is the transformative practice of simultaneously acknowledging God's presence and authorizing God's power into your everyday life. Let me say that again. It's the transformative practice of simultaneously acknowledging God's presence and authorizing God's power into your everyday life. Let me talk about that for uh, for a moment with you guys. You see, a lot of us, we can acknowledge God's presence, but we don't want to authorize his power. That can be seen clearly from the sermon we just actually last heard when we were together in Matthew 14. You remember how the disciples were in the storm and Jesus showed up by walking on the water? You see, the disciples recognized God's presence in the storm, yet they decided to remain in the boat. That's an example of acknowledging God's presence, but not authorizing his power. On the opposite end, you have uh, an example from Peter, who actually got out of the boat and who soon lost sight of God's presence in the midst of the storm. This is an example of authorizing God's power, but not acknowledging his presence fully in your life. You see, lamenting only gives voice to the pain you feel, not only gives voice to the pain you feel, but it also anchors your heart to truths you believe or are trying to believe, especially when dark clouds linger. You've heard me say this many times. Don't allow your circumstances to find the character of God. But I have to admit that that's a very hard thing to do, especially in the season that we are in right now. But do you want to know the secret? The secret to not allowing your circumstances to define the character of God is it's not accessing some, some greater strength. It's not having a greater resolve. It's not even being a better Christian. The secret to not allowing your circumstances to define the character of God is lamenting. Look with me in verse 18, what it says here. It says, then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. You see, right in here, it sounds like Jeremiah is giving up. And honestly, rightfully so. In Lamentations chapter 1, he talks about how Israel's sin led them into exile. But they didn't get this into this place on accident, but they were sent there by God in order for them to turn to him in repentance. In Lamentations 2, he talks about how God's, God's righteous anger and his righteous judgment against our sin, that God is, is the only one who can rightly judge us in our sins and for our sins. But notice the language he uses in verse 18. He says, then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. He's saying this. He's saying my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. He's saying, in other words, this is what he's saying. It's over. There's no hope for me in this situation. Listen to what Lamentations 1 through 7 says. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk into darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turned his hand against me all day long. He has worn me away by his flesh and his skin. He has broken my bones. He has laid siege against me and circling me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He has wallowed me in so I cannot get out. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he blocks out my prayer. Have you ever been here with God? Have you ever been in a similar situation with God? Have you ever felt this way? Felt hopeless 
before God? Maybe you're feeling this way even right now. And guess what? If you are feeling this way, be encouraged because you're not alone. See, the reality is this, is that we are living what Jeremiah is feeling. The hopelessness of grief, the weariness of uncertainty, and even the ambiguity of God's unknown plans. And this verse is for you. Jeremiah 3, 19, 20 is for you if you find yourself in this predicament. Listen to the words in verses 19 through 20. He says this, Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. You see, we're living what Jeremiah experienced. In this situation, it seems like we have no faith. We have no hope. We're running on empty. And if we're honest, we're not even sure if we can trust God anymore. And like Jeremiah, it seems like we have reached the bottom. And if that is you today, I have a reminder for you that even when you're at the bottom, even when you're at your worst, even when you are at the bottom of hopelessness, God can still meet you there. How do I know? Because God met Jeremiah at his bottom. Read with me in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 55 through 58, at the end of the book. Listen to the words of Jeremiah, the same weeping prophet. He says, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not ignore my cry for relief. You came near whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. You champion my cause, Lord. You redeem my life. <laughs> Do you hear that? Do you hear the, the, the difference in Jeremiah's beginning from his end? How so? How, how could Jeremiah's end be so different from his beginning? What has changed? Because something definitely has. Now notice his perspective hasn't changed. The city is still destroyed. The people are still in pain. And they're still suffering and there's still struggle in his life. But the tone is different. You see, what has happened to Jeremiah is that he's hit a turning point. And much like Jeremiah's turning, turning point, you also, this also can serve as a turning point for you. Look with me in Lamentations, verse 21. We see this hope revived. Verse 21, it says this, Yet I called this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Notice the two things that point out to us in this passage, that our language matters to God and also that our longing matters to God. Notice the language starting off in verse 21. He says, yet I call this to mind. My Bible says, yet yours may say, but, but regardless of what conjunction is used, there is a conjunction that's being used within this word of yet or but. And for our English majors out there, Conjunction is simply a word that connects two clauses or two independent clauses, and it causes us to cancel anything that precedes it. So what Jeremiah is saying is this, is that, yes, I know that my life has been bad. Yes, I know that I am in a hopeless situation. Yet, verse 21, I call this to mind. Notice the second language that he uses, call to mind or to remember. I know you can't see it in your English Bible, but the Hebrew word here is so important because the Hebrew word here is focused on the heart or the essence of one's being. 
When he says, I, I, he says, yet I call to mind or yet I remember, what Jeremiah is drawing from is the very center of what he believes. He's saying that he uses what he believes as the basis for his hope. This is a good reminder for all of us that lament is a practice that not only helps you express what you feel, but it also helps you to know what you should think and how you should think through a season of hopelessness. Notice that our language not only matters to God, but notice that our longing matters to God. I love this because it's a good reminder for us to be reminded that we are to dare to hope in God's character, even especially when life is hard. And as we lament, we rehearse what we believe, not what we bemoan. Why? Simple. Because hope springs from truth rehearsed. This is a good question for us to consider. What truth can you rehearse this week as a family? What song or what scripture verse do you need to be reminded of today as a family? Me and my family, we've been singing a good song um, from, that's from Leland. It's called, uh, I can't sing for you, so I'm not going to try, but the lyrics go something like this. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. The song continues and during the chorus, it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. This is a song that we constantly have in our heart and in our home in order to help us to um, have this truth rehearsed and reminded in our minds. If you've been in our community groups, you know that we're, we're memorizing Colossians 3, 12 through 17. That's a great place for you to start with your family even this week, just reading those verses over your family during this time of isolation. So not only do you dare to hope in God's character, but we also are dare to believe in God's promises. Look with me in verse 22, it says this. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies never end. You see, as we put practice, lament into practice, we realize that hope does not come from a change of circumstances, but what you know to be true despite the situations in front of you. So not only we are to dare to believe in God's promises despite your fears, we are also to dare to remember in God's goodness even when we can't see it. Look with me in verse 23. It says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love what one author says about lamenting. He says, in lament, we express the sorrow we feel, but we also rehearse the truths we believe. We interpret pain through the lenses of God's character and his ultimate mercy. You see, as we lament, we should learn to interpret our pain through the lens of God's character. Not only has, do we see in this text hope renounced, not only do you see hope revived in verse 21, but we also see hope remembered. Look with me in verses 22 through 24. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Two things that we should remember out of these verses really quickly. Number one, verse 22 says it quite plainly that God's mercy never ends. Look with me in what it says. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. My version says faithful love. Yours may say mercy. But it's a good reminder for us that God's mercy never ends. His faithful love, this Hebrew word here um, that's used here is hesed. 
And hesed is a very key word for us because hesed is God's covenantal love for his people. It's love that's rooted in his character. It is the essence of who God is and how he relates to his people. It's a good reminder for us that all of God's actions are rooted in his character. But not only are his mercies don't ever end. Verse 23, his mercies are always new. It says, for they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What does he mean when he say new? In each day, what he's saying, in each new day, we both experience God's grace and we also experience the possibility of renewal and also repentance. In other words, God is faithful to supply the mercy and grace we need each day. We, as God's people, can endure hardship because God's divine mercy is never exhausted. Amen? I love what one author says about this. He says, in lament, we are honest with the struggles of life while also reminding ourselves that God never stops being God. His steadfast love never ends. He is sufficient. Even when dark clouds looms, his mercy never ceases. I love um, how Psalm 73, 26 says this. It says, my, f- my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. Look with me in verse 24. He says this. He says, I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. It's a good question for us as to consider, even as we think through this passage. Say, so when God strips you of everything, When he strips you of everything and all that you have is him, you still have more than enough. Why do you ask? Because it's a good reminder that God is everything and he's the only one that you truly need. Psalm 23, one says it best. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's God, all that you need. And is he still enough even when you're stripped of everything. I pray, church, that we will be able to, during this season, grow in our ability to say yes to that question. So not only do you see hope renounced, not only do you see hope revived, not only do we see hope remembered, lastly, in verses 25 to 27, we see hope refined. Look at verse 25. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him, It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. You see, in lament, we reaffirm what we believe to be true. And this is a good reminder from these three verses that we want to take away. Waiting, excuse me, waiting is not a waste. Waiting is not a waste. What does it mean to wait? You see, to wait on the Lord means to place your hope in him. It means to trust that God is the one who can deliver you. It means to know that your entire confidence rests exclusively upon him. But we must admit that waiting is not easy, right? We wait on God, not simply because he makes us wait. We wait on God because he is God and we are not. See, waiting is difficult. And it feels like you're not doing anything. Seems like you're just kind of going through the motion. Seems like you're praying maybe even just to the, the top of your ceiling or to the, to, the, to the night sky. You're right. Waiting is difficult. 
But guess what? You're not doing anything, I know, except praying or waiting. But in our waiting, God is doing something. And that's the good reminder that Jeremiah is reminded of. He's reminded of God's hesed love. He's reminded of his new mercies that are new every morning. He's reminded that if he waits on God, he's not wasting his time. That God will respond to the cries of his people. Three application points I want for us as a church as we conclude today. First one is this. I invite you to lament. But in your lamenting, why not release control of your life and simply say these words? God, I I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. I don't even know how you're going to make me help me get through it. But I'm going to trust that you're God and I'm not. Second thing I want you to do is to... um, to look and see if God's, prom- if God's providence, is his, if his sovereignty requires you to wait. If you're in a waiting season right now, I want you to remind your heart that you're not wasting your time in waiting, that your waiting is not a waste. And lastly, in the midst of your suffering, I want you to remember that waiting on God is not exclusively a waste. Will you pray with me? Father, Help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in the knowledge that you're in control, especially when we're not. We thank you for this great, incredible opportunity that you placed before us to look to you and to wait upon you. Father, we wait in great anticipation. Just as a child will wait at Christmas time or just as um, someone will be waiting for presents on their birthday, we wait knowing that you, we wait knowing that you are good And we wait knowing that you have um, an expected result to give us as your children. So we do thank you and we praise you. Grow us as a church. Help us to grow in unity. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and our being made in his image and his likeness each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.